It's gorgeous out. Let's pop some dots. This is the Updog Podcast, a blend of upland and waterfowl hunting. Tune in as your hosts, Tyler Beaton, Jeff Ludicky, Matt Jeske, chat about training dogs and share their bird hunting stories, tactics, and strategies. Welcome back to another episode of the Up Duck Podcast. Uh, my name is Tyler Beaton. I'm one of your hosts. I am joined by my esteemed co-hosts, the Rooster Assassin and Mud Motor Maestro himself, Jeff Ludicky, and the Mississippi River Boat Gambler, Matt Jeske. Almost screwed that one up. We made it through, though. What's up, guys? We're doing good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. All right. Uh, drink check here. Jeff, what do we got? I don't know if I had this one on the last episode or not, but huge fan of Oktoberfest. As you guys probably know, I'm drinking Central Waters Oktoberfest okay. out of uh, central Wisconsin. It's one of my favorites, honestly. I think it uh, it's, it's outshined the third space one that I was liking so much. So this is my new, my new favorite for, for now. Okay. All right. Excellent. Matt, what do you what do you got here? Another summer shandy? Yep, finishing out the summer shandies in the fridge. So okay. Excellent. Excellent. Fantastic. Still got the good old H2O. Um no ice. It's gone. So it's probably should have restocked on that. But oh well. Let's uh let's get in the podcast here because we have an awesome guest uh tonight. I'm really excited for this one. Uh, we consider him a friend. Uh, his name is Zach Weaver. He is the owner of Redbeard's Waterfowl. That is a waterfowl guiding service. I'll let Zach give a little bit more intro and background here in just a second. But Zach, welcome in to the Up Duck Podcast. I appreciate you guys having me. I've been listening yeah. for a while now. It's awesome to be awesome to be able to come on. Awesome, excellent. So, okay, first, just um, tell us. Tell us just a little bit about yourself, like for people that don't know you, that aren't familiar with with your with your guiding service. Like, give us give us some background about you, where you're located. Um, you know, I mean, you can even go as far back as like how you got started in hunting and, and guiding, all that good stuff. Absolutely, I'll uh, I'll kind of give it a, a run through. So I uh, I started waterfowl hunting young, uh, single digits. Uh, just, I mean, my dad was carrying me uh, carrying me on a like on his back or on his shoulders through the marsh at, you know, six, seven years old. So I've, it's kind of always been something that I've known. Uh, and I grew up wanting to figure out how to make it make money. Uh, how, you know, everybody wants to figure out how to make their, make what they do for fun, make money. Uh, and I just, I thought it was, I never thought it was a, a thing. I didn't think people could actually do it. And then uh, I started, uh, I started hunting in the Illinois river Valley a lot. Uh, that's where I'm originally from Southern Illinois. And so I started hunting in the Illinois river Valley a lot. Uh, a lot of flooded timber, flooded marshes, uh, stuff like that. And, uh, just I really fell in love with it. And I started guiding, uh, goose hunts for some guys after I did a couple calling competitions and, uh, ran at a couple of the bigger duck clubs, uh, along the Illinois river. And, uh, I did that for about three years until I joined the army and then, uh, moved to Texas. And while I was in Texas, uh, obviously still kept waterfowl hunting. And if you've never waterfowl hunted Texas, you have to gotta go to the coast of texas and shoot ducks man it's awesome uh but anyway so i started guiding in texas for a few years and then uh started transitioning to oklahoma just through like the southeast corner of oklahoma 
and started spreading west and ran into a old army buddy that was one of my medics on my first deployment. And uh, they run a Angus, a registered Angus cattle operation out here in West Oklahoma. So they've got the land and the connections and I had the clients and we kind of made it a thing. And I moved out here a little while ago or a year, a little over a year ago. And this is it out on the prairie. Awesome. Well, do you move the whole family there? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we, we weren't going back to Illinois, uh, boo, uh, the place, places a dump, but, uh, so we weren't going back there. We wanted to, we wanted to find somewhere else. We really liked Oklahoma, uh, small, slow, not, nobody's really, nobody really cares what you're up to. A uh, bunch of really good people. Uh, just, it's just, it felt like home and that's where, we, that's where we moved. And we, it, we moved because of the outfitter. I, I wanted to hunt ducks full time. I took the leap and started running so we ran with it awesome what, so we uh go ahead no no go ahead go, keep, keep going so we uh we set up shop in an, a town called weatherford it's about an hour west of oklahoma city right off i-40 uh there's not much when you go west of oklahoma city so once you get out west of oklahoma city all the trees go away all the water goes away all the green goes away and it's just flat open prairie and so it makes hunting ducks out here really cool uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an experience like hunting ducks in the red dirt with the, the tall Canyon, like the big bluff Canyon walls in the background or out on a wheat field where you can just see for 20 freaking miles. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's cool, man. Uh, we opened up in Weatherford and we'll run North to the border of Kansas, uh, as far West as the border of the panhandle of Texas. And as far South as a town called Lawton, Oklahoma. And, about as far east as Oklahoma City, and we kind of stay in that little range. We try not to go out of about thirty miles of Weatherford if we can, but you you guys have hunted ducks before, you know that they don't really care what you want to do. So, uh, kind of make adjustments as we go. We do focus on the ducks, though. We'll shoot some geese later on in the year. We'll run a lot of quail hunts, uh, pen raised. Oklahoma doesn't really have the population to sustain running like that, but uh, we do have a thousand acres of land that we set aside and have restored the native prairie for uh, quail production though so we're hoping to start which we've already started seeing wild uh wild cubby numbers out there so we're hoping to pick up on that but that's another something that you can do as a an outfit to start on the conservation end i don't think enough people kind of focus on that so and i saw that was bob whites right is what you guys yes, are sir. primarily doing yes sir we'll throw some chucker out there uh on the hunts if we need if somebody asks for it but we're typically just hunting the bobwhite quail and then at the end of the season i buy a set amount before the season starts and then at the end of the season i sell we sell 80 percent of what i buy and then 20 percent gets released oh, so 20 percent awesome. yeah 20 percent gets seasoned to forage and then released so nice hmm. well That's i kind of cool. want i kind of want to back up for one second go for it man you said you were an army veteran right yes sir how many years did you serve seven seven wow yeah they well, got me for two they got me for two enlistments man they tricked me <laughs> well tricked me we twice. all i'm sure we all feel the same way but thank you very much for your service i appreciate obviously that. we wouldn't be doing and have doing this type of stuff if it wasn't for you guys so thank you for that thank you all for funding it man it was seven years of a just an absolute blast dude uh pe people thank me for it all the time and i was thankful to do it it was a blast uh it was a blast and it set all this up you know yeah yeah, that's crazy. It's cool. So I appreciate that though. 
my my next question was why do you call it i'm sure we all can make assumptions here for those of us that maybe aren't watching you on camera why did you come up with the name red beards outfitter so i i've said for a while now like after i got out of the army i've just kind of been doing side quests uh i don't really have i don't really have like i'm just kind of going you know i'm just kind of doing stuff and i've always wanted to be a pirate when i grew up uh and so that sounds absolutely dumb i know but uh when i was a kid, awesome. pirates are, yeah pirates are cool man and so uh my first platoon that i deployed with was uh our our flag was a jolly roger and it had our platoon name under it and so it just kind of all like meshed in together to where like i had a really cool experience with some really cool guys in the army uh got to do some awesome stuff with some really cool people uh so that had some history for the flag and like the the pirate theme and then uh like obviously like you've heard of like blackbeard and stuff like that well my beard comes in like a cherry red and coincidentally so does like 80 percent of the staff here for some reason too so like our land manager <laughs> yeah so but we have a we have a land and property manager so his uh his beard comes in red our head guide his beard comes in red everybody's beards comes in red it's we have red dogs it just kind of lined up to where uh to where that was that was uh something i thought of so is there a little check box on the application process for red beards outfitter you gotta (laughs) no and this guy's going to the top this guy's going to the top of the stack (laughs) yeah yeah man yeah i actually uh there's another guy that has a page where he uh like a get a red beard hunts a lot of waterfowl we've, we've kind of had it back and forth a couple of times so i don't know if there's like a some sort of like melee that needs to take place for like some sort of title holder or what but we'll, we'll get that figured out down the road i guess <laughs> that's great <laughs> that's great that's awesome um all right so how like you started guiding in illinois though like how did yes yeah, sir you, at 16 that's how, how how did you come across that gig so if you can blow a goose call really well in the Midwest, uh, people like you. So I got good on a goose call young. Uh, my dad could never figure out a single read. He could only blow a flute. And uh, so I learned on a flute and then bought a Buck Gardner Canada Hammer Two when I was like yes. 10 years old. I still have that, dude. Uh, it sounds like, I mean, sounds like a whale, but I, it's... And that's what I started on. And then uh, obviously being from Illinois, I got into Tim Grounds. And, uh, once I started blowing grounds, goose calls, I, I really got into, really got them figured out, entered a couple of competitions and, uh, people from like certain duck clubs will hear you blow goose call and ask if you want to come blow. Yeah. You know, hey, well, you want to come call for us with we'll AX or we'll let you shoot some birds or well, as a 16 year old going to hunt a duck club where the inch or where the cost of membership might be, you know, $300,000. Like that's, that's pretty cool. So I, I would just do it to go shoot a few ducks, you know? That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's the Illinois river Valley is like a hidden thing, man. There's a lot of history there. Uh, A lot of big wooden blinds out on the Mississippi river. A lot of those duck clubs, Mm -hmm. like the one I just mentioned, it's $300,000 for a membership. And then your annual fees are 50 a year. And, but they have a full-time property manager that cleans the boats, cleans the ducks, like everything. So. It, it was definitely a cool experience to see how like that side of the, cause I grew up hunting public land, like sprinting through the marsh and rubber waders. And these guys did not do that. So it was just, it was cool to see that the opposite side of that, you know, see what I was missing out on. I mean, it, it's cool though, too, cause you got exposed to the business side really early on though. Yeah. I, I got to see, 
there's a lot of uh there's a lot of like money that there's a lot of money that trades hands in this business and it's 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 wild to like see like how people make money in it like from the dogs to the birds to the the land to the boats to just every every anything and everything there's just there's somebody's got a, a corner in it so it's it's definitely it was definitely cool to see that aspect of it with you know a lodge that sleeps 30 something with a fully stocked bar and i mean they didn't even those guys they didn't go hunting until 8 a.m so like we'd sit and drink coffee from 6 30 until 7 30 and then go shoot your ducks from eight to 10 and then be back at the lodge for a full cook dinner lunch at noon it was wild man. that's crazy yeah that is Oh, not yet. Hey, three hundred thousand, dude. Just yeah, it's nothing. That's it. It's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's crazy. And then, so then you enlisted, right? You did a couple tours. You came back, and then did you did you seek out like a full time guiding position at that point in time? No. So I I met a man in the army that uh, owned an outfit in North Texas, and uh, so I started guiding actually while I was in the army. I would take leave and I would go work while I was on leave. So I would take leave and I'd go guide for two weeks, or I'd take a four day or a five day or a six day pass and I'd go guide for six days. Uh, that was just I mean, I'd work I'd work from you know five a.m. to six p.m. Monday through Thursday or Tuesday through Thursday, so that way I could take that pass from Friday to Monday and go run hunts. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I got into it. Though was, was just running them for four or five day stretches when I could and then over leave. And then eventually, uh, it got into like more of a full-time thing after the army. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, how, it's cool. How long, how long has, has Redbeard's Outfitters been in, in business? When, when did you incorporate? Uh, this will be our third season. So we incorporated in 2020. So in the spring of 2020, so we kind of, this will be our third season out here. Okay. Awesome. Excellent. Yes. All right. That's good. Uh, Jeff, Matt, any questions, any other questions on background before I, I'm going to just transition the conversation into fun stuff yeah, here. No, let's go. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So the thing that I want to know about, because so for me personally, I have never taken a guided waterfowl hunt right it's it's on the it's on the to-do list here at some point i've been working on it man i know you 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 as you should you ask every year you should continue to ask all right it'll it'll happen eventually here you take some convincing zach we've (laughs) all experienced this yeah i just want to see mac i he he looks just like blue i just need that's all i need that's true that's true yeah we gotta make that happen uh mac yeah Mac's getting up there too i mean he's not old yeah you know he's not he's not three anymore yeah blues uh is he six now yeah blue's six now and i don't like it i don't mm, same i don't care for it same. that's all i gotta same. say about that topic yep yep <laughs> same i hear you there okay so i want to know about a guided waterfowl experience with Redbeard's outfitters absolutely right. i'm gonna i'm gonna take the conversation in that direction jeff have you been on a guided waterfall hunt before i have not I've done a like a semi-guided pheasant hunt on a game farm a couple of years ago for a, a buddy's bachelor party. Um, I think a couple of you, you guys know that story. It's it's a long story, but it it didn't end well. That that um, was that was no, that, that was, was not a that was not a guided hunt. I, there's I know that I know that I know the whole story. I know the guide. Yeah. I know the dog. I've run the dog before. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's long story short, I, I had brought my dog, who I think was probably just as just as good, if not better than his dog, in my opinion, but he would not let me run my dog. 
even mm. though we had 10 guys and one dog on a guided game farm and he had just one i think it was a, G, it was a gsp pointer gsp he's and the very, dog was very slow and he he wouldn't let me bring my dog out of the truck until we were pretty much all done so goodness 10 guys and one dog man he's trying to murder yeah, that thing that didn't sit very well with me but that was the only guided experience that i've had so i'm really intrigued to listen to a uh what a guided waterfall hunt would be like it's better than that yeah uh, yeah <laughs> and i'll just so, so and then matt matt's done a bunch so i want to hear matt, i want zach i want you to go i want you to walk us through and I'll, i'm sure we'll ask a bunch of questions and then matt i want to hear like your your experience with what you do because everybody like every place is going to have a unique experience versus what what you've got going on zach like that, that's cool something i've wanted to do for a while is go hunt with somebody else and see how they do it just to see like how the how how other people other folks do it uh but i haven't done that yet unfortunately I, i'll get out there eventually but yeah so uh you want me to just go from like the point of contact to yeah yeah hit so it? so yeah hit me all right i absolutely pretend i pretend i don't know you on social media we don't we've never talked before we've never done a podcast before all right i yep. just i i call email whatever i say hey yeah, I'm looking to do a guided waterfowl hunt. What can you can you just talk to me about what this whole thing is like, and then just walk through the just just go. I want to shoot absolutely. some ducks. What? Yeah. yeah how do I, how do I do that? Yeah. yeah before absolutely. we start, what's what's the Oklahoma season look like, like oh, date wise? The Oklahoma season is November 11th through the 26th, and then December 2nd through January 28th this year for ducks, and then geese goes until uh, the second weekend in February, I believe okay uh good to know yeah so uh so basically when somebody reaches out to me the first few things i try and figure out from them is their hunting experience uh and the species they're after and i know that that might sound like a ridiculous thing but if somebody's coming out here to shoot a widgeon i don't want them coming out here the last week into january when all i have is mallards if somebody's coming out here for a mallard i don't want them coming out here opening weekend when all i've got is gray ducks uh, so I, I'm not in the, in the age of social media. Uh, I, you try to cover all your bases cause one, one loose screw ruins a whole, whole operation. So it's just, it's better to try and figure out what everybody wants. So I try to figure out how old the, the customer is and that might sound weird, but if they are older, I can't hunt layout blinds. I can't hunt in any flooded areas where they're going to be standing in water in early January because it's five degrees outside. So I try and figure out who I'm talking to, where they're from, what they're after and what they're looking for. Uh, some guys want to hunt fields. Some guys want to hunt flooded corn. Some guys want to hunt flooded timber. You're not coming to West Oklahoma to hunt flooded timber. Uh, so I just, I try and steer people in the right direction. I, I even have people ask me, uh, you know, Hey, like, yeah, if I come out, we shoot speckle bellies. And yeah, we shoot speckle bellies, but I'd rather send you to somebody that specializes in that than you come out here and be disappointed. So I refer people all the time like to other outfitters. And I don't know if that's normal or not, but you're not going to come here and get disappointed. So uh, I, uh, from the moment of contact, I'm figuring out that person, how old they are, what they're after. And then uh, I'm going to provide them with some dates that I think align with what they're trying to do. So if they're trying to shoot widgeon and they're wanting to do it in a dry field, I'm going to tell them to come out in like mid to late December. Uh, I've typically got, you know, some mallards on some peanuts and I've typically got some widgeon on some wheat and we can kind of make a dry field hunt happen and it's not bitterly cold. Uh, I also try and find out if there's kids or, or anything like that, just so any disabilities, any sort of limitations, any sort of restrictions I want to know about. So that way 
we're not showing up and you don't have legs or something like that. And which has happened because uh, we're a veteran owned operation. So a bunch of our buddies are missing stuff. So they show up with, you know, missing parts all the time and hobble around and we laugh at them, but it is what it is. Uh, so uh, after that, I'll give you a set of dates that I think would align with what you want to do. Uh, uh, we offer several packages. So I offer packages that include lodging, no lodging. Weekday hunts are a bit cheaper with us than our weekend hunts are. Uh, we offer quail in the afternoon, uh, late dove season in December. We'll offer late dove in the afternoon. We'll do varmint hunts in the evenings. Uh, so I'll offer, you know, just our packages, pictures of lodging and stuff like that. Uh, if it's a smaller group and our lodging doesn't make sense to them, like financially, I'll tip because our lodging kind of gears towards bigger groups. So if you have a smaller group, I'll refer a couple Airbnbs to you and uh, kind of get you familiarized with the area. Uh, after that, uh, once I get you your dates, all I'm waiting for is uh, you to lock them in. Tip the typical questions people will ask are like, you know, what to bring? Uh, do I need to wear waders? Do I need uh, do I need to bring my calls? X, X Y, and Z. Uh, the answer to all that is no. When you're hunting with me, you don't need to bring anything. You show up with a good pair of rubber boots and warm clothes, and you'll we'll take care of the rest. You're not going to be in the water. You're going to be comfortable. Uh, so we try and try and cover the bases there, but. Uh, after I give you dates, all, all that happens after that is uh, you'll get back with me on when you want to book. We require a deposit of $100 a person. So for a group of four, it's just a $400 deposit. Once I get that deposit, I'll lock those dates in on our calendar and send you an invoice. Uh, the invoice is just making sure everybody's on the same page, knows uh, what's being charged, why it's being charged, just so that way there's no questions come uh come settling up time and then for our hunts we settle up at the end so just in case there is anything to discuss if there is uh sometimes you know there's a bum a bum hunt you know it happens uh if there is something that folks would like to discuss i don't settle up until the end so that way we can do that uh try to give everybody a fair shake so that's good i i going back to the lodging like how how big of a group are you looking for to sit to, to that what what size group would make sense to book lodging with you versus an airbnb so this year we kind of switched up our rates for that. Our lodging package is just uh, $50 more than like our non-lodging package. And that gets you lodging and meal. So like it's getting you brunch in the blind, coffee in the blind. It's getting you a meal upon arrival to the lodge. Uh, so you're getting quite a bit more for just like 50 bucks. And the lodge sleeps 25. Uh, so we can, we can get, uh, but if you, all, if you bring a group of four, we'll, we'll consider it private. So anything past, that's another thing we don't do is I don't, that's another question a lot of people ask is, uh, what's the minimum number of people I can bring to secure a private group. And for us, that's three on the hunt and four for the lodge. So if you bring three people to us, you're going to get a private group. We're not lumping you in with a group of 20. Uh, it's, we try to keep things real intimate here. It's, I like to know the people I'm hunting with. Yeah, I think that's super important. It's especially in social media, you see all these videos of these big outfitters and, you know, there's 20 guys sitting in a blind and it's just pop, 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 pop. You know, you don't even really know if you shot the bird yeah. or, or what. It's I mean, cool. it's, it is cool, it's, but it's a blast, man. I've done it, but it's, yeah. it's a blast. I've, I've rained out the big flocks of geese, but it is not worth the headache like 20 strangers with firearms and my dogs running around. Whew, like I, my mind is on a hamster wheel. Like it's just, it, it it's, oh, it's unset. I can't enjoy myself. It does. It allows me, it makes me not be able to joke around and, and entertain. And cause that's a big part of being a guide is entertainment. And 
you know, in that hour stretch when the birds are slow, you, you better be able to entertain. If there's 20 people with firearms, like I'm, I'm tense. Right. It's a lot of firearms to manage. I mean, I've, I've guided some upland stuff at a game farm and, you know, anything over four and running a couple of dogs at once, it's, it's frightening because not everybody mm-hmm. is practiced. Not everybody is a super experienced hunter. Not everybody is, you know, up on their hunter safety. It seems like with where they're pointing their gun barrel, it's kind of, it's, it's frightening. It is. And, uh, I, one of the, we had one of the worst customers I've ever had, uh, last year ever. And, uh, he was a state trooper. And so it just, it gave me a good shuckle and he was the most unsafe I've ever seen anybody with a firearm. And he was a state trooper. He said multiple times, I am the law. And then would just kind of do it. Yeah. He, he left. He's not allowed back. uh, Yeah. It's It's very ironic. Yeah. (laughs) Do do you, do you have a list of people that aren't allowed back? Yeah. Yeah. It it takes a lot to get on that list because I do not, I am the, easiest going guy you'll ever meet dude i promise like i do not care i told you earlier i'm just doing side quests man. like i'm i'm just trying to have fun and like it's i am super hard to upset and so like when it gets to that point if i have to say something it's just it's been it's had to be said so yeah, yeah. if you i think i've only got three people on that list so okay okay it's, it's a bad. short list so far that's good now we, we mentioned hunting with a, a huge group of people and that that can be really nerve wracking when you're running your own dogs. Do you, do you make any exceptions for allowing clients to bring their own dogs or is it a strict no in most situations? I make exceptions. Yeah. Uh, if I know the handler, uh, I'll make an exception. If, uh, if you're bringing a group of at least four, I'll typically let you bring your own dog, but if the dog becomes an issue, I will ask for it to be put up immediately. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a one strike thing. Uh, if the dog breaks, if the dog gets rowdy in the blind, knocks a gun over something like that, I just, I can't have that. Uh, yeah, you have, it, you have to. Yeah, for sure. And so I allow it. And if, if I know the handler, if I know the dog's safe, if I've seen the dog work, or if you've got, you know, a, a group to where it's going to make or if, I mean, if you come to me and it's going to make or break your trip, like I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff, dude. Like you tell me it's going to make or break your trip. I'm going to let you run your dog. But if that dog knocks a gun over, like it's just going to be awkward for everybody when I tell you to put it up. And that's what I tell people too, is I tell people like, hey, if your dog acts up, I'm going to say something and it's just going to be weird. So if there's a chance, just please try and not make it weird. Like don't make (laughs) me have to do that. But like it's, it's also not the dog's fault. Like when you have a hundred mallards hitting the water in front of you at daylight and that dog's been on two wood duck hunts in its life, like what do you expect that dog to do? So Mm -hmm. you can't expect that dog to act any way other than how it has. And so if it's, if it's met with a new challenge, it it doesn't know how to overcome that challenge. It's going to hit a wall. And that's kind of what you see in those situations is that dog freezes up and ends up doing something unsafe. And uh, that's what you try to avoid. So, Mm -hmm. Do you, um, do you like for people that want to bring their dog, do you allow them to tie their dogs up then? Yes. Yeah. I actually encourage it. Uh, I have, uh, one of those quick release systems from, uh, is it gun dog? Yeah. Gun dog. Yeah. 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 It's that same, it's that same, that little quick yeah. release system. And I keep it in my blind bag and I'll, I'll offer it. Just, Hey man, here's, 
Here's this if you'd like it. And if not, it is what it is. But yeah, yep. they can take it or they can't. But regardless, that first time that that dog act. And it's typically just safety stuff that I say something about. If your dog's dancing around in the decoys and it flares birds, like you saw that happen too. So it's not, it, it, I can't do anything about that. I don't have control over your dog. So if it's, if it's something like that, it is what it is. It's your hunt. But if it's a safety thing, like that, that turns into my problem. Uh, so mm. we try and dip that in the butt. But if it's just a silly thing, like, eh, whatever. If it flares a few birds, like as long as you're having a good time, I don't care. But the safety stuff, got to kind of nip. Yeah, I would. Uh, so like, for, so, if, so if I'm thinking about myself here in the situation, I would want to bring Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, I have never been on a hunt where a hundred mallards are hitting the water. So um, I would be like, quick release system, please, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that I can yeah. just be like, yeah. just, you know, be emptying my gun as opposed to worrying about him. Because that's, that and is, that, you, I mean, like, you know, that I try and tell a, people that too, like, enjoy your hunt. You're paying a yeah. lot of money for this. Yeah. Like, I, I grew up broke. I'm, I've been broke. I, 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 money is not something that I throw around. Uh, and so I get it. Like you're coming out here and spending a lot of money. Like don't, don't take away from that experience for yourself. Like, let me, let me shoulder that responsibility because blue is the perfect kind of dumb. He will sit there and not do anything until he's told to, he is just the right kind of dumb. He is the best. And a hundred mallards hit in the water. He might twitch a little bit, but that's all you're getting out of him. There's no barking or anything. We had some. We had a dog last year bark at ducks when it came in. The ducks would like work over the pond, and when they got within forty yards, it would start. Rawr, 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 rawr. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Hell, hell of a bird dog. That's funny. Matt Maggie hasn't done that, has she? No. 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 Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think so that sound that sounds like something you i've i've seen at a few akc tests dogs get they get a little excited they'll get a little more vocal but yeah that's hey man those akc dogs they come out here and get shown up by these dogs with no titles it's wild <laughs> well there's uh, uh there's there's <laughs> test dogs and there's hunting dogs right there is yeah yeah, when I say blue's dumb, he'd fail that. Uh, he'd fail that test with a capital F, dude. He's you, you can't. You wouldn't get him very far. He'd, he'd get to about finished, and he'd be he'd be over it finished. That's good. Okay, all right. Uh, we've taken we've taken this a little bit sideways, but uh, it's good though. I'm really curious. About this. All right. Okay. Where where were we in the process? Right. We put the hundred dollar deposit down. Right. Yep. And then 100, we don't hundred dollar deposit goes down and then after that uh after that we don't talk for a while so after that i will be i will be in touch i give everybody a little like kind of wrap up of what to expect so whenever you give me your deposit i let you know like hey i've sent that invoice out to you let me know if you receive it if you don't i will resend it you know if you do and you have questions let me know if not i will be in touch two weeks prior to your hunt so i reach out two weeks prior to the hunt and i just check in just hey it's zach from redbeards just checking in hope all's going well Here's what we've been shooting. Here's how the weather's been. Here's how conditions have been. Uh, and here's kind of what, what things are looking like or like the weather's forecasted and what I think is going to happen when you show up. And then I'll give it typically about a week uh, and I'll check back in 72 hours and I will call. And that's like the, hey, here's your 
lodge check-in information. Your guide will be Ryan for your hunt this weekend. Ryan's contact information is as follows. Ryan already has your contact information. And as soon as I call him, he's going to get a hold of you. Ryan will meet you at the lodge. Devery will have a meal ready for you at the lodge. And Ryan will get you all checked in, settled in, and get you a brief for what's going on the next morning. Uh, at, so at all times, the clients have my phone number in case something goes wrong. The, the clients have the guide's phone number. And at any given time, somebody's bumping around the lodge. So just in case anything does go wrong, we can typically cover it. And having that land manager on, on staff definitely helps too. He's kind of a kind of our do-all our do kind of guy. But uh, so after that, uh, your guide will contact you the night before. We'll be at the lodge to, to check you in, get you that meal, and then uh, just let you know what to expect uh, that following morning. Or, so that night before, it's, let me step back here. That night before, he'll let you know where you're meeting. So we typically don't meet at the lodge because we kind of hunt a little a bit of everywhere. So the morning of your guide is waking up. My guides don't wake up any later than 3 a.m. 3 a.m. is the latest we wake up. Uh, there's something to do. That it's That's kind of what we say is there's something to do. That's just find something. There's something to clean. There's something to fix. There's something to put together. There's something to scout. There's something to do. There's something to do at all times. Uh, especially during duck season. So uh, so our guides wake up no later than three. Uh, typically it's 2.30. And uh, what, what goes on then is the guides are, typically they're loaded out already the night before for their hunt the next morning. They're just going over their load, making sure nothing's going to fall out on the way there, making sure they're not missing anything. Uh, they roll out typically about 3.30, 4 o'clock. Uh, they'll grab a thermos full of coffee. Debra will have them you know, a brunch or lunch or something uh, quick to grab on the way out the door. And, uh, and it, I, it sucks and it's not good, but like typically that time of year, we're not eating too much. Uh, it, it, you don't have, there's not a lot of time. So your day starts at two 30 in the morning. You're not really hungry. You're pretty grumpy. So uh, it's, yeah, especially when you can hear the winds of the prairie from the North, just blistering on the outside of the house. You're just not looking forward to it. But anyway, so Get up at three, they leave about three thirty, four o'clock. They'll get to where you're hunting and uh, they will have your entire hunt set up by the time you wake up. So we typically meet our clients about an hour before shooting light. I like to meet, get release of liability waivers signed, be able to like BS for a little bit, uh, get to know everybody, kind of break the ice. Because sometimes there's, for no reason, there's a little bit of like tension or awkwardness, like when you first meet somebody like at three in the morning at a gas station and everybody's got guns, you know, like there's a little bit of like tension. And so it's, you know, hey, are you Zach? You know, it's just there's some tension. So you kind of break the ice, get to know everybody. And then you'll we'll take the clients out to the hunt. Uh, we'll have a four wheeler or a side by side to get whoever to wherever they need to be. But typically out here, you, we can get you pretty close to the blind. Uh, we get everybody in the blind, everybody familiarized with where they're going to be, uh, get, you know, a little shooting hole cleared out for themselves, give a safety brief, and then kind of orient everybody to like, hey, here's your kind of your left limit. Here's your right limit. The ducks should do this. If the ducks don't do this, we'll do this. And then, you know, give them like a, well, my dog's in the water. We're not shooting unless it's straight up and I call it. If anybody pulls the trigger when my dog's in the water, they'll be sitting in the truck for the rest of the time. Uh, you kind of have to be aggressive there at the first, just to kind of set the tone and let them know like, Hey, like, because I started doing this young. So I didn't have like a lot of bass in my voice. I didn't have a lot. I wouldn't, I didn't have a lot of like compellingness about me. So like people would show up to my hunts and think they could do whatever they wanted. Uh, so I had to, I had to kind of 
be that way at the beginning. But I, I, I find it's best to just kind of let people know, like, like I have a line, but we're not going to cross it and everything's, everything's going to be fun. But besides that, I mean, you're, you get in the blind, everybody gets oriented. You get your guns loaded up. I give you a quick little safety brief and we're going to drink coffee and smoke cigarettes until shooting light. And that's my favorite thing to do. So but top three, at least. So <laughs> duck on the side. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. How, uh, how many guys do you have? Five, five, myself, and then five more. So I've got two, I've got myself full-time. I've got Ryan full-time. We're bringing another guy on full-time this year. And then our land managers full-time. And I run three part-time guides. Part-timers normally show up like Friday through Monday They'll show up Thursday night, run hunts through the weekend, and then kind of dip out. And then the rest of us will run hunts during the week when it's a bit slower. Okay. And then, uh, right, so ideally, right, you're done by, you, everybody limits out by what time, ideally? In a perfect world, in my eyes, your hunt ends at 10 a.m. Okay. Now, and that's like, you shoot a limit at 10 a.m. And people might think like, man, that's like four hours after shooting light. But like what fun is a hunt that lasts 10 minutes? Like what fun, what fun is a hunt where you don't get to bust your buddy's ass because he missed a bird? Like what, like that's, that's the stuff that people come out and pay for. Like you, you pay, you get those, you come out and pay for the hunt, but like you're taking home the memories. Like it's, it's that, that secondary fun or whatever they call it. Like it's, you know, and so I just, I like to, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. Now, obviously yeah. you can't guarantee people limits every day. We all know that mm-hmm. the season can be a roller coaster, right? Highs and lows. But how often would you say that you guys are shooting limits on a daily basis? Mm. That's a good question, actually. I don't keep track of that. I do keep track of uh, how many birds we kill per hunter, though. Uh, okay. So as long as we're above four on birds per hunter, I'm happy. And uh, that's per last... day? Per day? Yeah, that is, right? that, is, that is per hunter per hunt. So that is what each guy is leaving with per hunt. Uh, if we are above four, I'm, I'm, I, you'll never, you'll never hear me complain. Because if we're above four, this year we were at four point eight. Last year we ended at four point six. So we're, we're good. I, I like to hang out there. Yeah. And that's going to vary depending on the skill of the hunter, the shooter, and birds and everything else too. So. Yes, we had a group come out last year where I picked up all their shells afterwards and they shot, so it was three of them, they shot 17 ducks, they ended one shy, uh, they shot 115 shotgun shells. <laughs> For 17 ducks? Scouts honor, dude. That's crazy. Scouts honor, 115 <laughs> shotgun shells. I was never a Boy Scout, so that doesn't mean anything, but you get it, dude, 115 shotgun shells. Tyler, Tyler's ducks. over there thinking, hold my beer. Hold my <laughs> beer, let me see, let me see. No, so, but, it was so wild. That was the state uh, trooper I was talking about earlier. Oh, wow. Of course it was. So he was unsafe (laughs) and couldn't shoot. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, That's like, so I, like dove, I've I've done a little bit of dove hunting. I have Mm -hmm. the hardest time hitting doves. Yeah, I don't do well on the dove either. Oh, and I've like, um, the, the one really good dove hunt that I did a few years ago, it was opening day and I, I, I brought like 90 shells with me and I used all of them. I used all of them and I had like 10 of my 15 birds. Right. Mm. Those, those things are, but those are, that's, that's not quite the same shot that you're getting on a guided hunt where you're, you have decoy no, birds coming in. Shouldn't be. Right? 
Yeah, right. No, um, I mean, they were they were shooting like bellied up birds at 15 to 40 yards. And I mean, just like, like I'd call the shot and I'd stand up and I'd just, you know, I'm like, oh, oh boy, you know, with 12 gad while in the hole, like we're about to mash them. And like one bird like flops over here to the side. And you're like, what? <laughs> and it, it sucks like on a lot of fronts because like, like that sucks because like, you got to do more work like you know you got to bring more birds in and like you feel bad like because i take that personal i'm like well like are the birds not close enough like are they picking up at the last second like are these dudes not getting good enough shots like what's you know what's going on and so like i try and dive into that kind of stuff and eventually like i come to the conclusion that there's nothing i can do about it and that's a sucky place to be but it's it's just one of those things man uh i i recommend everybody shoot some shoot some plays before you come out here just get used to swinging a gun and nothing crazy, like shoot them within 40 yards, because that's my goal is to get those ducks as close to you as possible. I want you to like pull up and be able to just laugh and just spray and shoot, like just not even aim. I want them to be right there. We just got done talking about flock shooting. So that's, that's a... <laughs> we had a couple, a couple early a going on. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> those uh, little rockets can be uh, a bugger to shoot sometimes, oh, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, it's a shame when those turn into wood ducks, dude. I hate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went on a I public land and hunted a lot growing up, and there was a, a fella that came back with a nice limit of wood ducks during early teal season and showed them off to the game board, and it was, it was cool. Oh, dude, proud. I pride, mean, it's the pride it's, in that young man. It was like, it's gotta yeah, happen got so much. Yeah, it oh, has yeah. to happen all the time, especially like a immature hen wood duck. I mean, sometimes yeah. those things are they're, they're smaller than a teal in some situations. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. on the wing, it's so hard to tell. Yeah, the government wasn't thinking when they colored those before they released them, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um all right and then like uh so like say say the hunt ends at 10 a.m what it, what happens to you and your guides after that so wait right jeff matt and i come down we shoot our limit right we don't shoot 115 shells maybe we maybe we <laughs> use like 60 say 60 because i'm along um what what ha- we go back to the lodge and hang out have a have a big meal take a little nap and then you we're scouting go yep yeah that's it there's no there's nothing else to do uh yeah that's it that's all there is to do so even if we have birds found for the next day so if i've got two groups of hunters coming and i've got two places found with birds like i'm still gonna go scout i i still i'm still gonna scout my truck turned two years old this year and has 112,000 miles on it so i average about 50 a year i i scout so, so most guys are probably getting back, just having a couple of beers, having dinner and just kind of kicking around, watching some TV. Like what are, what are the typical guys do? Are they going to the bar or are they, what are they doing? We have some folks that end up at the bar. Okay. Uh, probably we've, we've had, to go, we've had interesting to, stories out there. <laughs> I've had to go get some folks from the bar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. So some folks end up in the bar. It's small town, West Oklahoma. So if you go starting stuff somewhere and you tell somebody who you're with, you know, like, yeah, we're in a town hunting with red beards. Like, well, let me call Zach real quick and let him know that his clients are out here acting an ass. And so I'll just, you know, swing by and, hey, boys, and let's wrap her up for the evening. We got an early day tomorrow. Just nice. kind of, yeah. But so we, they end up at the bar, but there's not a lot to do out here. So a lot of guys will hang out at the lodge. The lodge is right next to a nice size lake. 
that's actually a trophy bass like regulation lake so a lot of folks will go out there and do some fishing there's a fire pit at the lodge uh uh grill with a smoker full kitchen poker table all that kind of stuff uh just the, the more more so the basics than anything else but try not to let you stay there for too long i'd rather let you go shoot some dove or shoot some and you know afternoon geese or something like that but yeah typically the guys are sitting around drinking around the fire now do you get a lot of guys that'll like kind of a la carte certain things like they they paid for you know a duck hunt for two or three days but now they decide i want to go shoot some bob whites or let's go shoot some geese in the afternoon obviously it sounds like you you you're open to those types of things uh yeah it's a logistical nightmare like last minute additions like that uh just because you know it's it's you know, 120 days you kind of get into a routine as far as like the mm-hmm. waterfall season goes so you know i'm i'm waking up i'm setting up a hunt i'm running a hunt i'm scouting i'm waking up i'm setting up a hunt i'm running a hunt i'm scouting like that's just that's my day every single day and so like once you throw like like it's 2 p.m hey man i'm bored like it's oh you know what do we do but uh like we can typically make something happen but i i try to try to ask people to let me know ahead of time but it happens a lot like guys end up you know shooting a limited ducks by 8 45 9 o'clock and then they've got to go sit at the lodge for the next eight hours and it's there's there's other stuff they can shoot so it happens a lot guys get bored i would love to get bored yeah <laughs> dude it'd be a blast <laughs> I don't that, know, that, that's a feeling that we don't uh, encounter too often these oh, days. Yeah. <laughs> Some quiet boredom, please bring it on. Okay. I'm in on it, man. Are you guys hunting any public land out there or is it all no. private? No, 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 no. Nope. I don't mess with that. No way. I grew up hunting public land, man. I'm, I'm over it. Is there I a still public do... land around there? I mean, you guys got a lot yeah, of public so, access? Not a lot. Uh, so there's actually up in the northwestern part of the state, like towards the Panhandle. There's a lot of uh, public lands uh, for quail, uh, so that's more so what we offer out east, like the eastern part of the state. There's a couple more like WMAs and stuff like that for waterfowl. Uh, out here, there's a handful of places, but it's slim, man. It's not. There's not a ton of public hunting opportunities out here for waterfowl. How are you locking up land? Are you leasing all these properties from guys, or yeah? Is that how leasing is down there? Yes and no. Uh, we run cows during the off season. Okay. So like as I, my land manager, his family owns a, a registered Angus operation. So uh, we know a lot of these farmers and ranchers and that sure, goes a long sure. way too. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of folks that aren't, uh, that just kind of swing through for duck season. So they would, mm-hmm. and uh the ranchers don't really care for that. Now, you can offer yeah. as much money as you want, but to these guys out here, peace of mind is worth a lot more than a hundred bucks a person. So uh, sure. they, they'd rather know that their fields aren't getting rutted up. And I mean, you're seeing that a lot too. A lot of guys just won't even let you hunt anymore. They'd rather yeah. take the, yeah. da- they'd rather take the crop damage from the geese than have you go out there and rut it up with all your buddies. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's one of those things where we're, we're seeing that quite a bit too. It helps having a name that people recognize, uh, like, and like, I'm talking about like from like the non hunting standpoint, like it helps having like, you know, being friends with these guys as well. But I mean, some of yeah. them are just like, you know what, man, it's not even worth dealing with. Uh, yeah. I get it. If it was mine, I wouldn't let anybody on it either. People suck. I've met yeah. <laughs> You see a lot of people. So that's... You know what, man? 98% of them are the best. 
like 98, like 98% of the people that come out of here are awesome. Like they're a good time. Like I genuinely like enjoy it because I don't do this. Like the day this becomes a job, I will quit. Uh, like I tell my wife that all the time, I'll quit this job as soon as, as quick as I quit the rest of them. Like I, as soon as this becomes a job, I will quit. Uh, I'm still having fun though. So. It's awesome. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right, Matt. Yeah. Okay. How many guided hunts have you done? I mean, if you, if you exclude the real foot ones, cause that's just a yearly thing for like 18 years or whatever. Um, uh, three, four snow goose hunts and three on lake michigan and green bay mm. yeah so seven or seven or eight if you exclude real foot every year what you should well you could include that though too so like what oh, I would like 25 25 26 something like that <laughs> yeah yeah so like what what i guess what is your what is your experience like at these different places as, as zach went through it like what's like what what's similar what's you know what is your experience like so that like what do you explain sounds exactly like the Arkansas goose hunt with the guy that we've gone with, you know, he's, he leases out a lodge on a property, you know, it can hold up to 20 people, but he's not trying to combine groups as long as you've got, you know, four or six people. So it makes sense. Um, you know, he's got guides working for him again, they're up at two o'clock or whatever, depending on what kind of spread they need to spread out. Um, it's set up when you're there, like 95% of the time, maybe you need to throw something out, but, you know, you're basically getting driven out in a UTV and saying like, here's your panel, Brian, like this is where you're going to sit. So it seems very similar to an Arkansas snow goose hunt, uh, the, the four, three or four times I've been on one. Very, very similar. And when you're done, you know, um, you know, by mid morning or whatever, two of the guys are picking up and you're helping picking up and those other two are going out scouting or whatever with ridiculous amounts of miles on their truck as well. Like it seems very similar and you just go back, enjoy a lunch, hang out, watch TV, I mean, even if you're bored, like you're just tired because you're waking up at whatever yeah. time too, like getting your gear ready and like cleaning stuff up, whatever happened, whatever you happen to have to do. Um, so it's it's very similar to to those kind of things I've been on. Okay. Can I ask you a question, Matt? Yeah. What's some information that like you wish you would have had like before you went on a couple of those like guided hunts? Because that's something like I ask my clients too, is like the ones that I know and I'm close with like that I've yeah. become close with is like, Hey, what can I do? Like what I, I just, I try to figure that out. I try to figure out what people want to know. So that way I'm not just blabbering all the time. So like the snow goose hunt, the uh, the guide that we went with recent, like the last three, he's more of a friend that we've kind of met through like dog training and stuff. But the way he runs his business is like the first year you went, um, you know, you get almost an information packet sent to you. It's like three pages of everything you can think of. So like, it's like, here's the address of the lodge. Here's what to expect. Here's the gear you're going to need, like down to like bring waders if it's if you're watching the weather and I tell you it's been rainy because maybe the muddy fields are something you don't want to sit in. But like yeah. right down to, you know, a gear list or, you know, here's how many shells you could bring. Like realistically, you're not, you know, you might have a magazine tube with like 10 in it. You're not shooting 500 shells a day. You know, you're, you might have a couple volleys like that. So he, he puts his expert like, what you should expect in it, but also like gear wise, like this was what you could bring. And here's where, you know, if you need to go something, you know, Max Perry wings is 45 minutes from the lodge or whatever. Like he kind of has it all laid out. That's yeah. Especially like that was only my second goose hunt. And the first one was, it was, it wasn't laid out quite like this. It was nice to come in. Like 
here's the thing. This is what you're going to sign when you get there. Just expect this on like a, yeah. a document he sent out. Yeah. And did he mail that to you? Uh, so it was it? just sent through Facebook or email. Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is good. That would yeah. be, that would make me feel better. Yeah. You know, I try and I, I've just found that like answering people's quite, everybody's got a different question. So I've got like my kind of brief that I give everybody, like, here's where we hunt, where we hunt and how we hunt. Yeah. What you got? Because everybody's yeah. going to ask if like they need to bring two left shoes or a clown nose or like, you know, something like yeah. that. So you got to kind yeah. of curtail them. Yeah. That's nice. Stuff. Are you sending uh are you sending like pins out the night before or whatever for where you're gonna go? Like how are you sending locations? Um typically like, when we meet, it's gonna be at like a Love's like in okay. the town that like that we're hunting next to or something like that. It's sure. gonna be it's gonna be like something like that. Or I'll send a pin to a field, but I I try not to do that as much as I can. Uh, but I will. I'll I'll just sure. drop a pen to the gate or something, tell somebody to meet me at the at the gate. But I I like to meet somebody, I like to meet people in a well lit environment for the first time maybe like with a few cameras yeah. around <laughs> yeah just yeah just i like to like to meet people where where everybody feels a little bit a little bit more safe yeah yeah yep. yeah yeah i think sense. that's so important matt just like having having as much info laid out in front of you before you go to me i think i would want that as well even even pictures i mean social media is so good at that now but just even <laughs> pictures of like what what is a hunt going to look like so i can visualize this in my mind like what does the mm-hmm. blind your typical blind look like what does the the spread look like i think a lot of us just want to see those types of things when we're making a decision whether or not we're going to spend that kind of money you know yeah that's yeah. actually and something like, i've tried focusing on more during like uh, the season when i'm getting content is getting more content of like the blinds like mm-hmm. the atvs debris bringing mm-hmm. out lunch to people like the blackstone rolling like so just stuff like that yeah. like something like, a little bit more of the environment rather than just a bunch of people yeah. some dead for sure yeah what kind of food are we eating what kind of snacks would i expect just all these little yeah. things you know i think that goes a long way for people it, mm-hmm. yeah, cause, yeah right because it gives it gives people the feel the total experience right versus just the you yeah. Know. And they can play out the hunt in their mind and decide yeah. if that's something they ultimately want to yeah. do and spend the money on, you know? Yeah. And that's what you want to provide anyways. You'd rather provide yeah. an experience than a hunt. You can go on a hunt anywhere. Right. You, For you, sure. You can go on a hunt with your buddies. Like you want to come out to West Oklahoma and, and like do what it's like shooting ducks on the prairie. Like you want a good experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Come. All right. Jeff, I saw you writing down a bunch of questions. Oh, I just doodle because I fidget a little bit while okay. we're while we're doing this. Okay. I'm not writing down questions. Okay. You, you can see my pieces of paper. It's just a bunch of lines okay. and random boxes. I see your head go down. I'm like, okay, wait, wait, wait. I'll, I'll, let me pause. Let me pause. This is, this is how I process things. Okay. Okay. I've got uh, my my biggest thing. I, I kind of ask a lot of our guests that come on the podcast that maybe own companies or outfitters, whatever it may be. But what would you say sets Redbeard Outfitters apart from any other outfitter that they may be looking at? Why should somebody choose you over somebody else? We really care. Like really care. Like, like really care. It's not like just if you, about if you, if the, the three of you, no, if no, no, if the three of you showed up to, if we, if it was duck season today and the three of you showed up for three days of hunting and we shot one bird a day, you'd be leaving with all your money. Uh, I, I, I put my money where my mouth is. You're coming out here to shoot birds you're coming out here for an experience. And if I can't provide that experience, I'm going to work with you. Uh, you might not get your money back. You might get, 
you, I'm, I'm going to work with you though. I will, I will offer you a deal. And if that is not acceptable to you, you will tell me and if we will work on it. Uh, and we are honest, like at no point in time. And I get, I get that from the, the army, like the honesty and integrity, like these people are spending a lot of money, like a lot of money. Like some of these invoices make me nervous and I'm not the one paying them. Like it's, it, it's, it's a lot of money to come out and like be lied to or like be like be thrown around or messed around with or something. Like if you call me like three weeks before your hunt and I haven't killed a duck in 48 hours, I'm going to let you know, like, Hey buddy, like I haven't killed a duck in 48 hours, but you're still two weeks away. We're going to be all right. And when I call you 72 hours out, like, I'm going to tell you like, Hey, I had a group of six this morning. We killed 18. It could have been a better hunt, but we didn't shoot very well. So, you know, we've got, you know, X hole, Y hole that are holding, you know, a hundred birds or whatever. I just, I, I, we we're honest and we care. That's, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. It's like, if you have a busted hunt, I mean, we, we beat ourselves up over it. Like we're losing, we're losing sleep. We're talking about what went wrong, how to fix it for the next day, game planning. And it's, yeah, that's, we're honest and we care. I think that's what sets us apart. Right. No, I like that. I mean, that's that's probably the biggest issue that people have with, you know, signing up for an outfitter is what if I spend all this money and I, I go there and I just shoot a couple ducks, right? I could have did that at home for free on some public land. So the fact yeah. that you're so honest about that and and you're willing to work with people when those types of situations happen, even though they seem rare, that's 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 really, that's great. Yeah, I, I, think, I think, I mean, like 80% of our business is repeat clients. So that, I mean, that's where your money's coming from is, mm-hmm. is yeah. those guys that have traveled with you across the country and have been hunting ducks with you for 10 years, you know, like th- th- those are the, 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 the groups that come in and turn into family. Like there's, I mean, there's groups that I've been hunting with for, I mean, like legitimately like eight, nine years that like have turned into family. Like I, I call them on road trips, like just to talk. Uh, they have some of our dogs, like they, they, they've legitimately turned into family. So it's, that's what you're getting when you come here too is like i want to be your friend like not i i say this all the time like i've met people and they're dumb and i don't like them but like i really want to be your friend like i want to know what's going on in atlanta georgia like i want to know what your life's like like i i'm going to ask you questions in the blind like we're going to become friends you're not going to like it like it's we're going to rag on you like you're going to become one of the boys it's that's just how it works out here but at the end of the day, this outfitter is just a bunch of a, a bunch of you know veterans. That's most of our organization's veterans as well as myself. So I think all of our guys, besides one, are vets. So it's just a bunch of dudes trying not to have real jobs, man. Like that's it. Uh, it's just trying to trying to hunt for a living and really provide a good experience because I feel like folks deserve it. You know, West Oklahoma is cool. They should see it. That's awesome. Now, cool. if somebody was looking to do a guide, how, how far in advance should they contact you? Um, I try to tell people the earlier, the better. Uh, so we open our books typically. I try to say like we open our books. My books are never really closed. I'll talk with anybody about duck hunt at any point in the time. Like even if you don't want to book hunt, you can just call me and tell me about a duck hunt you went on when you're 12. Uh, so our books never really close, but I officially like start advertising in like May. Uh, so once I start advertising, things kind of start sewing up pretty quick. So June and July kind of picks up. And then like right now, uh, my phone is just vibrating off of the counter. So I I would say like before July, typically like before July, August with me, I know other guys book faster. Other guys don't open their books until July. So Hmm. how many, how many dates do you have available yet? 
Uh, we're pretty light in November still. Uh, I book back to front typically. So I'll book my January dates first then December, then, then November is what I've noticed. So I'm pretty light in this in November. I think I have three week or three weekends. So a weekend for me is considered Friday through Monday is what I, or yes, Friday through Monday is what I consider a weekend on our calendar. So I think I've got two weekends with availability in December or three weekends with some availability in December and then two weekends with some availability in January. But besides that, everything's pretty much sewn up. When, when is your favorite time of year to hunt? December. Uh, December? Yeah. So, I mean, I, you got to think about it. I grew up in Southern Illinois. So the only thing I killed until I went to Texas, as far as a duck was, was a mallard and a wood duck. That was all I killed in, in Illinois. You'd kill your mallards and your wood ducks and that was it. And so when I got down to Texas and Oklahoma and started shooting widgeon and pintail and gadwall and green wing teal and cool stuff like that, uh, especially when they're plumed out, which is why I said December, it's usually not minus 30 degrees and the ducks have their full plumage and we're starting to shoot some really cool birds. Like we're usually shooting a lot of widgeon around that time. And that's my favorite duck to shoot. So. Good. I try and right. break it down for people by months. So like gadwall, which are predominant for November, widgeon are predominant for December, and then mallards are predominant for January. That's cool. That is. Um, all right. I want to talk about dogs, but before I get there, I want to ask, I want to ask this question here. What are, what are the top three things that good clients do? And what are the top three things that bad clients do? Oh boy. What, what shouldn't right. Tyler do if he's in the blind with you? <laughs> uh, gun safety. Okay. So I will start with the top three things that bad clients do. Uh, gun safety. So poor gun safety is number one. Uh, I would say the second thing that bad clients do. It doesn't uh, have to be three. You could just run oh, no, There's going to be three. There's a good okay. okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I got a bone to pick. Uh, no, I'm just messing around. Uh, I would say gun safety. Um, man, not picking up your trash. Uh, I'll pick it up. I will, but I don't like it. Uh, so not picking up your trash and then offering to help. Like, I will not let you, but offer. Just, hey, is there anything I can do? Just, that's it. Just, that lets me know that like you're in a good place. And that's another thing. Like I like the the conversation because it, it's kind of hard to read people, especially in the dark. So like, I like to have the conversation so I can kind of gauge how the morning's going. I like to be able to tell if people are disappointed or people are, you know, upset or if people are happy having a good time or like, if there's something I need to change, something I need to do uh, like different. Uh, yeah. So I'd say the three things that a good client does, uh, Three things a good client does. You could say tips well. See, I thought about that. That's not number one for me. Uh, Shoot straight. And I wouldn't even. See, I wouldn't even. <laughs> I wouldn't even say. I wouldn't even see tips well. Tips at all. Uh, like if you, if you tip with enthusiasm. Like if you gave me a twenty dollar bill and you were like, "Hey, I really appreciated this time." I will take like I and you say it sincerely. I will take that twenty dollar bill and I will put it in my wallet as if it was a thousand dollar bill. Like I would, if if that twenty is all the extra that you can 
that you can spare me, like that's fine. Like just the appreciation like goes a long way. So, uh, which leads me to what I would put number one, leaving a review. And that goes for anything. If you have, a, if you come out here and have a mediocre experience, leave me a three-star review. Like let, let me know what I did wrong. I would prefer that you let me know what I did wrong to my face because I truly do care and I'd like to fix it. But if you can't do that for some reason, that's fine as well. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd say, uh, tipping slash showing appreciation is something that good clients do. Uh, the leaving a review, something that good clients do. Uh, and just like the, I'd say just appreciation, honestly, in general, man, just that would cover all three. A lot goes into it. Uh, yeah. like a lot of behind the scenes stuff goes into it. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's just nice when people just kind of give you a thumbs up, let you know you're doing a good job. Good. That's good. Makes sense to me. What, uh, okay. I said dogs, but I have another question for you. What's the, so for you, what's you're the, you're the owner, right? So you went from being a, a full-time guide to being an owner and guide. What's the hardest part about owning the business versus just guiding? Uh, the business, like the money, the money, that's the hardest part for me is, uh, is like, like the, the management of like the money, like the personnel management's not difficult. I was a non-commissioned officer in the army for a while. So I, I can yell at people. It's, it's too easy. Uh, like I would, I would definitely say like that, that aspect of it. Uh, cause once you figure out, like, it's a niche market, you know? Like there's not a lot of people going on guided waterfowl hunts. So once you kind of figure out your market, advertising becomes a little bit easier. Once you kind of figure out what landowners want, it makes land acquisition a little bit easier. And I, I, yeah, I, I, I would, I would definitely say the business side of it, the, the, the making the money makes sense. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of output too. I mean, decoys aren't cheap. Layout lines aren't cheap. Enclosed trailers aren't cheap. Side-by-sides aren't cheap leases aren't cheap these mm-hmm. farmers are getting smart man they know what they can make off of us now <laughs> that's right that's right all right uh we got to talk about dogs we have to we have to talk we have to talk we have to talk about dogs so um and i i already know the answer here but let's let's talk just lay out for us what 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 kind of dogs are you running how many do you have what color are they Oh man. So specifically what color are they? <laughs> They're red. They're all red. Uh, so I personally just have labs. Uh at the the outfitter as a whole, we have oh blue, Bella, Bodie, uh blue, Bella, Bodie, Dutch. So I think we have five labs and an English pointer, a drother, and a poodle pointer. Uh, and we're about to add another lab this summer. So if you can guess, I found a good deal on one of Blue's sons and I, I got to pick him up. And so we're going to add another red lab this year. And we will also be adding a pair of Britneys this year because my wife wants Britneys and I want some Upland dogs. So we have compromised. We are getting what she wants. <laughs> That sounds like a Mark, compromise Mark. to me. Yeah, yeah. Let's say Britneys. Oh, dude, they look fun, man. For the, they do for the upland stuff, like little, yeah. little pocket rocket, man. They look like they're a blast. You should get some uh, little cocker spaniels. Those things are nuts in the upland really? field. Yeah, I've uh, 
We have some drother. We have a drother and a and a poodle pointer, and they are fun. But that poodle pointer, man, he is. Me and his name's Bill, and me and Bill, man, we we've gone some rounds, dude. Bill is Bill is a grumpy old man. He uh, <laughs> uh he's he's funny. He is the guardian of the truck, dude. We've been late to hunts before because he won't let like a guide in the truck. <laughs> he just gets so defensive over the truck. He, yeah, I was late to a hunt one time because Bill wouldn't let me in the truck. <laughs> I, I called his owner. I was like, "Hey, what do I do?" And he's like, "You might have to fight him, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know." Like, hold on, I'll come up there. And when he got up there, it was all cool. But like, Bill would not. He was not having it. He even let me pet him afterwards. It's just I couldn't get in the truck. So, <laughs> yeah, labs for me, dude. Labs for me every day, all day. That's my that's my dog. Okay, and are all the labs red? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're all red, and then blue will actually uh, – he'll actually point and flush as well. So Really? Okay. Well, there he is. Just staring at me. He is. What, so, okay, I'm going to ask this question here. Why oh, do you have a red dog named Blue? So people ask that question? I'm sure. sure that's, that's it. That's legitimately it. Was uh, That's not it. I had a dream one night that I had a red lab, and I named it Blue. And so the next day, my wife and I found a red lab and put a deposit on him and named it blue uh and then like (laughs) seven days later i deployed and left her pregnant with a brand new puppy (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah wild times it's a a good thing he's a good dog he wasn't then man (sighs) he was a firecracker man that uh chris from triple b he called my wife like was that two months in he called her like two months in and he was like, Hey, you, I'm gonna give it two more weeks, but you might have to come pick this dog up. Like, I can't get him to do anything. I can't get him to slow down enough to do anything. And that, he's a million miles an hour everywhere he goes. And then like two days later, he called my wife. He said, this might be the best damn dog I've ever ran across in my life. You don't worry about him. We ain't going to have an issue. And so that's something clicked. <laughs> yeah. 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 The dumb. <laughs> and then, uh, how many how many birds are your guide dogs picking up in a season? Blue probably picks up the most for any of our waterfowl dogs because he gets used. Blue doesn't get very many days off uh, because he's he's he could anybody can run him like Jeff or Matt. Like you guys could have no I don't know your guys's dog handling experience, but you could have no experience with a lab like none at all. And you like Blue would do all the hunting for you. Like he will do all you have to say his name and he will do everything else for you. Uh, so he hunts with a lot of the guides that like if their dogs hurt or if they don't have a dog or something like that, blues my here, take this guy. He'll do it all for you. And I'll take one of my trashy dogs that I trained myself. Uh, I say that wholeheartedly. I've got a, I've got a little street, little street lady named Bella that, uh, she's like a 37 pound, that, that red lab I just showed you, she's about 37 pounds in the smallest lab I've ever seen. But I've seen her eat more cottontail rabbits whole than I've ever like thought that I would encounter. Dude. She just oh. one bite, crunch, swallow, crunch, swallow down the hatch. Doesn't rip it up, nothing, dude. It's wild. 37 pound red lab. Oh, she's itty bitty, man. That's cool, though. Yeah. That's uh, I bet I bet uh, I bet Ren would would, would eat, eat a rabbit hole too. She eats everything, it's disgusting. It's wild to see, man. You forget they're animals sometimes, yes, yes, this is true. Okay, um, all right, okay, 
we've been on we've been on for a, a while i could probably keep talking here i think we should move toward wrap up stuff here jeff matt though you got any other questions that you want to fire away here i got a couple of sky blast questions but matt you got anything else i don't think so i mean the only thing i could think of is like on on all your leases you're talking about you know on water are those like cattle ponds and stuff or like what kind of water are you on in oklahoma so in West Oklahoma, most of the water here is here for a reason. Like most of it was put here. Uh, mm. Like it's it's reservoirs or somebody dammed up an old canyon or somebody dug a hole and put some sand in it. And now it's got some water in it. Uh, but, you know, there's creeks and rivers and we'll do some hunting on those. But we'll do a lot of a lot of cattle ponds, uh, watersheds, well, kind of what I call yeah. uh, a little bit of what we do. But I'll, a lot of cattle ponds out here, watersheds, uh, low spots and pastures are a big one, low spots and wheat fields. If you can find a, I mean, if you can find a spit of water in a wheat field, it's, it, yeah, it's game on for the legend, you know? So yeah. yeah, I'd say like a lot of like small cattle ponds, stuff that you could throw a rock across. Sure. Cool. It's cool. Yeah. All right. It's good to know. All right. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good idea, like what I, what I should expect or what I'd experience, which is, my whole goal here um and so we'll move into what we call sky blasting questions zach so basically these are off the cuff okay anything that we think of it could be random could be related to hunting it could be not related to hunting probably have a few of those in there too first thing that comes to your mind you just spit out the answer we'll have some mm. fun we'll have some fun and wrap it up all right let's do it okay who wants to go first boys i can all right, what's your favorite ahead, what's what's your favorite mount or taxidermy you have in your house i have a widgeon a standing pose widgeon and uh it's on like a wooden plaque and uh it's got like some acrylic filler in it so it looks like it's like a flooded like wheat field almost and there's like little specks of like fake wheat coming out of it and the widgeon's like nibbling on the wheat it's really cool awesome. it's awesome Cool. It costs as it cost as much as it sounded sounds like it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the base alone sounds like it. You know, it cost. <laughs> it got that. out of it got out of hand quick, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, decoy brand of choice for Redbeard. T- tangle free. Hmm. Okay. Tangle free. I've never that, had that's any. That's I've never had any paint problems with them like other folks have. Like I know that's like a big complaint uh, that a lot of yeah. people have about tangle free's paint problems. But I mean, I beat the crap out of everything we own, dude. Like, yeah, to a detriment. Like, it's awful. And no paint chipping. No, we've had a couple decoys like break. Like, if it gets to like minus, you know, fifteen, minus twenty, and you whack one off of a pole or something. But like, yeah, I've never had any issues out of the uh, the decoys. I think they all look good, and that's what we run. Just send Tyler some links. He's in the market. So I got you. Let's go. That's right. I am in the market, in the market for too much stuff that I can't afford. So. <laughs> Dude, I understand. I understand. <laughs> um, all right, Jeff, you want to roll, roll through? Yeah. Uh, Step brothers or wedding crashers? Step brothers. Nice. That's man. close, though, man. I I thought about changing it at the end, but I, you classes. said first thing. Yeah, you said first thing. So Step Brothers. The Office or Seinfeld? The Office. Nice. Shotgun manufacturer of choice. Rete. Rete. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Those, uh, are, those yeah. are relatively new. That's not they? what I expected at all. <laughs> yeah. So they uh they, it's a Turkish made firearm company. Uh they they came onto the US market five years ago, maybe 
relatively recently, within the last right. decade, uh, within the last five or six years. And it's an inertia driven shotgun kind of modeled like a, like a super black Eagle would be. Uh, and it's, I love it. It's, it's been an awesome running gun for me. I've never had an issue out of that thing. If I, I don't clean it very often and it'll get gunked up and tell me it needs cleaned and I'll spray it with some aerosol CLP stuff and not do any other maintenance. And that thing just keeps running, dude. Uh, it's been incredible for me. So nice. yeah. yeah, they look like pretty guns. That's another uh, well, thing is it looks cool, but it does. <laughs> All right. Last one. I got favorite snack in the blind. Oh, uh, favorite snack in the blind. Um, so hostess or little Debbie, one of those, one of those fine ladies, they make a, uh, they make a coffee cake and it's like the, the little two piece coffee. It's called a cinnamon strudel cake for some reason. I, I they're, they're anti-coffee cake, I think, but it's a cinnamon strudel cake. And, uh, there's two of them in a pack for any about two bucks. And that's what, that's where you want to be. Nice. I like it. Either that or a jalapeno and cheddar deer stick. It's hard to go wrong with Ooh. a jalapeno and cheddar deer stick. Okay. All right. I'm All right, Tyler, you're up. A game. All right. Uh, coffee or energy drinks? Coffee. Okay. I close to. Hold on a second. My my AirPods finally died. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah we can hear you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, coffee for sure. I drink uh, probably two pots a day during duck season. So two ten cup pots a day during duck season. Okay. Uh, black or with creamer? Black. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah, just out. just give it to me, man. I've I drank army coffee for so long that it's just it doesn't matter. It it's okay. just put the bean juice in me and let me go. I, I feel like we'd be friends. He's just like checking off every single one of these. This is exactly how I would answer. <laughs> All right, uh, what kind of truck are you driving? Uh, I drive a 2021 Chevy Silverado. Oh. It's a half ton with the uh, with the baby diesel, the three liter. Duramax in it and I love it. You just lost me now, Zach. We were we were going good here until you said Chevy. You can say anything besides Ford and we can salvage this. <laughs> Ford is my Ford's my ticket. <laughs> I love those little blue ovals, man. I can't I can't. <laughs> yeah, I've been a Chevy uh, uh, nice. All right. Um, are you running labs on quail on the quail hunts? Uh blue. I run blue okay. as uh, he'll 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 do some pointing when I want to piss off uh, the guy that runs my quail hunts. So Ryan hates the fact that I take my lab to the quail field. Uh, he's uh, I hate it. it drives him crazy. It, it it doesn't he doesn't it doesn't drive him as crazy if blue couldn't do it. It upsets him that blue is good at it because uh, I we've talked crap. He bought that drother or he bought the poodle pointer uh, to be a versatile dog. And I was like, dude, just get a lap. They can do everything a poodle pointer can do. And he told me they couldn't. <laughs> and now here we are. So, uh, but yeah, I'll run blue to point and flush on his off days, but that's few and far between. So he'll typically it's just the pointers. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yep. Uh, ever been to Wisconsin? I have, Okay. Right. I have, there's a, there's a place up there. It's a, a special place in my heart. It's called Moose Jaw Pizza, I believe. 
I really enjoyed oh, their. Oh yes, I've been there. Good root beer, dude. Uh, is that the Dells? That's the Dells, isn't it? Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. It's the Dells. Uh, they got some real good root beer. I haven't been there in approximately eighteen years, and for some reason, that root beer just kind of set in. You know, they got that big old moose on the top of their oh, delivery yeah. truck. Whole arcade in the basement. That was a good place. <laughs> I, I like. Uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I think I went there once, and I could probably take you back through every single room in that place. It's a fond memory. <laughs> <laughs> all right last one what is the craziest thing you've ever heard a client talk about in a blind as you were becoming their best friend yes <laughs> oh my gosh dude i don't even know where to begin man uh i've had we get people from all over this country dude. i had a group craziest thing they talk about i had i had a group come out from south carolina uh and they were like some really good guys really good guys i really liked them uh they they were just a riot the whole weekend and they had one guy i can't remember his name uh they had one guy come out and he was talking he was the the boss guy i guess at whatever his place of employment was and the way he addressed his employees on the phone really really made my really made my heart warm there's there's still there's still like still people that you know like talk talk aggressively to their employees and i i enjoy that the army and me enjoyed that so listening to the way listening to the way people volunteered to work for him like after he spoke to them like that that definitely that but uh yeah the craziest stuff i off the top of my head i can't say any of the things that i'm thinking of uh i would say <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's understandable the craziest things i've ever the craziest thing i ever saw i don't really you'll have to edit this out but i will tell you guys uh that same group from south carolina came and one of the guys didn't have legs and he didn't tell us that before he showed up so at four in the morning for the first time this guy's got what he called his stubbies on. so he's cut off at the thigh and so he's got his stubbies on there, about eight inches, 10 inch long. They're good. They're good for like terrain and stuff. And so in the headlight of this, I don't know that there's a man out here without legs yet. And in the headlight of the side by side, he comes crawling like at a sprint crawl, like across the headlights of the side by side. And I caught it out of the corner of my eye. You know, it's like three 30 in the morning. Some just crawled over there. That's a, that's a, that's a good way to wrap, wrap things up here. So um, before we go though, Zach, what, if people want to know more, if they have questions for you, if they want to book a hunt, like how do they get in touch with you? How do they find you? Website, social media, just give us the rundown here. Absolutely. So uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram is uh, at redbeards underscore waterfowl. And then uh, the Facebook's just Red, redbeards waterfowl outfitter. Uh, we've got a website as well, redbeards waterfowl, uh, redbeards waterfowl outfitter.com. Uh, or no, redbeards waterfowl.com, right? What's my website's name? Uh, Redbeard. I'll look it up. <laughs> I feel like redbeardswaterfowloutfitters.com is way too long. Is it Redbeard's Waterfowl? It's redbeardswaterfowl.com, I think. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, redbeardswaterfowl.com. Redbeard's I see it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so we – what? Over Seinfeld? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> – my wife's making judgments. Uh, but anyway, so we've got a website, redbeardswaterfowl.com. Uh, you can basically find anything on there. All of our packages are on there. All of our prices are on there. The link to the Instagram and the Facebook's on there. Uh, the All the dogs are on there. All the guides are on there. Everything we hunt's on there. You can kind of get a good rundown there. And then my phone number's on there as well. I always tell people just to call. Uh, I just call. 
the worst thing we're going to do is talk about ducks for 15, 20 minutes. If you don't want to come out and hunt, that's fine. Uh, but I would like to give you a rundown and uh, let you know what we have to offer. So I just, I try to get people on the phone because typically I can kind of portray what they're going to be hunting and how cool it's going to be. And, and then I can kind of get the message across a little bit better at that point. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. So if you have any questions for Zach, if you want to know more, if you want to book a hunt, which you probably do, uh, go ahead and get in touch with him. If you made it this far, as always, thank you very much for, for tuning in. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have 10 seconds, go ahead and leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you are tuning in on. And uh, we'll see you next week. Later.